we, before the <clears throat> baptism uh, service and, uh, and the testimonies, just want to share a few things about baptism. But before that, Aaron Glendening, thank you for preaching. Where are you? Is he here? Back there. Aaron, thank you for preaching last week. Did an awesome job. Lynn and I listened to you on the road when we were driving in Ohio, and uh, it was just awesome. So appreciate that. Um, here's some wisdom. Wise words from children. Patrick, age 10, never trust a dog to watch your food. Michael, age 14, never tell your mom that her diet is not working. Emily, age 10, don't pull daddy's finger when he tells you to do so. Talia, age 11, don't tell your mom to brush your hair when she's mad at dad. And finally, Eileen, age 8, said never try to baptize your cat. Baptism. Have you ever wondered why Jesus instituted baptism when salvation is a free gift? When he offered it to us, uh, nothing we can do. It's by grace through faith. But why baptism? <laughs> Sorry about that. I guess I better move this out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> why baptism? Uh, there are five reasons. First, because he commanded it, and we want to obey. Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist. And we want to follow suit, but then he commanded us in the Great Commission, therefore go make disciples of all nation, nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the end of the age. Uh, secondly, uh, baptism is a public declaration of our new lives that we have in Christ. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality, sort of like a wedding ring. If you get married, you put wedding ring on here to declare that you are committed to your spouse and that you're married uh, for life and that you are wearing this ring to declare that. It's an outward sign of an inward reality. Or it's the best sermon ever preached when you're baptized. Um, when you're standing in the water, completely dry from here up, it represents our old lives before we knew Christ. And then we go under the water, which means the, the cleansing of our sin, the, the washing of our sin, uh, the burial of our old life, and then we're resurrected to new life, and we're covered with the river of life, Jesus Christ, his righteousness. So it's, it's a living object lesson for the early church and for us today of the most powerful sermon, the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, Colossians 2 tells us, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. He took our sin upon his body, and he destroyed it upon his death, and then uh, it stood against us and it, it condemned us, but it was taken away because it was nailed to the cross. Our old life died on the cross with Jesus. Our new life was raised as Jesus was raised, if we have Christ in our lives. Hillsong said that baptism is like uh, wearing a, a wedding ring, like I mentioned. So if we begin a new relationship with our Savior and Lord, then we will want to let everyone know that he is our Savior and Lord. We want to declare him to the world. Thirdly, baptism is also a commitment to putting Christ first in our life. 
It's kind of a personal commitment. We're going to take a step to make this commitment. John Piper wrote about a conversation that he had with a missionary from the Philippines, and the missionary said this. He said, in the Philippines, converts were tolerated and scarcely noticed by their family members until they became baptized. Then the biblical uh, predictions of hostility and separation came to pass. There's something about this open ritual of newfound faith that makes clear where a person stands and what he is doing. It's like putting your your public testimony on Facebook for the world to read, you know? In other words, when a person identifies with Christ publicly and openly like this, then people will start to get upset by that. You know, when, when people don't mind when you talk the talk, but when you start walking the walk, then people start to get annoyed and uncomfortable. And then the prediction that Jesus said, or the prophecy that if you are my disciple, you'll be persecuted, will be experienced. A commitment uh, that Christ is first in our life, no matter what. And then fourthly, uh, baptism is a commitment to the body of Christ. Not just to Christ, but the body of Christ, to each other. In 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul writes, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. After playing tennis a few weeks ago, I pulled my Achilles tendon in the back of my ankle here, and I was like, oh, and at night it was throbbing, and I just got really annoyed that this Mr. Achilles kept me up all night. And so I, I determined I'd get up in the middle of the night and just chop it off, chop my foot off, and no, I didn't do that. That'd be ridiculous, right? Uh, but that's how we treat each other when people annoy us. We want to chop them out of our lives. We just want to get rid of them. We don't want to see them again, even if they're brothers and sisters in Christ that we'll live eternity with. We just want to say, I'm so annoyed, just, I, I just hope that they leave and I never see them at Walmart again, or whatever, you know? Um, when my Achilles tendon hurt so badly, I did just the opposite. I gave it way more attention. I babied it. I cried with Mr. Achilles. Achilles. Is it cried at night? I was crying with my Mr. Achilles. Um, it hurt so badly that I hurt with it. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, the Apostle Paul instructs us. And Lynn and I, um, this past two weeks, when we went to Minnesota and celebrated uh, Lynn's dad's funeral, his life, um, thank you, body of Christ, for the love that you extended to us through your cards and phone calls and words of encouragement and Facebook messages and, and, and such and meals in some cases. So thank you for being the body of Christ. Um, I love being a part of the body of Christ because when we need the body of Christ, uh, you guys step up. And so thank you for that. And it brings great strength and comfort. We need each other. I, I remember our senior pastor in Indiana once said in passing, I just don't do children. I don't, I don't enjoy children. And he didn't mean that he didn't like children or love children. He meant I don't love children doing children's ministry. You know, it's taxing for him. But we never let him live that down. You don't like children. Our senior pastor doesn't like children, you know, that type of thing. He had two kids of his own. But, um, um, but the fact of the matter is sometimes 
it's not life-giving for us to do certain ministries in the church. If you were asked to do children's ministry, you say, no, no, no way. Uh, that's not me. It's not life-giving. I will in a pinch, but. Or some of you would say, I can't do youth ministry, or I would hate doing finance ministry, or properties team ministry, or missions ministry, or don't ever ask me to sing up front or play an instrument, or whatever. The fact of the matter is we all have different gifts and ministries. We need each other, um, and our church must um, be actively involved in every area of ministry if we're to re remain healthy, which means we all have to do our part. God has given each one of us a ministry, and so we're committed to each other because we need each other as the body of Christ. That's why we're baptized. We're baptized into the body of Christ. I'm going to commit to you, and you're going to commit to me. Finally, baptism is a sacrament. I mentioned earlier it's a symbol, it's a sermon, you know, living object lesson, but it's more than a symbol. It's more than an ordinance of remembering what God, Christ has done for us. It is actually a sacrament, and a sacrament means God imparting his divine grace and presence upon an individual. In other words, Christ meets us right smack dab in the middle of the sacrament. We call it prevenient grace comes to us. Grace meaning a gift that we do not or cannot earn. It's given to us as a gift. And prevenient meaning operating long before the recipient is aware of it. So his grace is at work within us even before we're aware of it. And this is perhaps um, why the sacrament is the most important reason for us being baptized, even more so than public declaration. For example, an Ethiopian eunuch believed in Christ, and Philip met him in the, in the desert, middle of the desert. God, you know, miraculously led him to this eunuch on a chariot. And we read in Acts 8, they traveled along, they came to some water, and the eunuch heard uh, the scriptures opened up to him and said, look, here's some water. Uh, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? Then he gave orders to t stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. How many people were there to witness this eunuch being baptized in the middle of the wilderness? Nobody. Maybe one other person on the chariot. The body of Christ was not there. But Jesus was there. His divine presence came upon this Ethiopian and he blessed him and he uh, led him to a new life. And so the sacrament, meaning God comes to us in a very special way. We celebrate two sacraments, the Lord's table, communion, and baptism. In the Protestant church, we celebrate these on a monthly or regular basis um, because it's Christ's presence coming to us, ministering to us, meeting us in a very special way like in no other way. We get to celebrate both today. Last point is this. There's one thing baptism doesn't do. It does not save us. When an unbeliever is sometimes dying in a hospital, some family members say, quick, quick, go get the pastor, go get the priest. We need to baptize this loved one, even though this loved one has been a pagan all their lives and unbeliever, and we need to baptize them so that they go to heaven. As if baptism is this magic formula to get someone into heaven. Well, Scripture, scripture repeatedly reminds us that salvation comes through faith by grace through faith alone in Ephesians 2.8 it is by grace you've been saved through faith not of yourselves Titus 3 he saved us not because of the righteous things we've done but because of his mercy he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit um, it, 
when a Jewish boy was circumcised that he deserved uh, I'm going to skip that point because I want more time uh, but some churches teach that baptism is necessary for salvation and they use a couple verses here and there like Mark 1.4 and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins in other words if you want to be forgiven you better be baptized Acts 2.38 Peter replied repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins well you can interpret it as baptism is required for our forgiveness or you can say what does for mean and you look up the word for in the Greek dictionary and there are a host of different meanings this preposition can mean it can mean in order that or because of for example take two Tylenol for your headache what does that mean take two Tylenol in order that you get a headache no it means take two Tylenol because you've already gotten a headache in the same way, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin doesn't mean in order that you receive forgiveness or doesn't mean because you've already been forgiven of your sins. And in your response to your forgiveness and salvation, you're going to declare it through your baptism, which is what we believe. Another debatable verse would be Mark 16. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Oh, so I need to believe and be baptized to be saved? No. I struggled with this, so I looked up gotquestions.org, and I found the answer that I was looking for. <laughs> Consider this example, which is a Christian site, commentary. Consider this example, they wrote, whoever believes in Christ and lives in Kansas will be saved, but those who do not believe will be condemned. Is that a true statement? If you're a believer in Kansas and um, you'll be saved... But if you don't believe, you'll be condemned. That is a true statement. Kansans who believe in Jesus will be saved. However, to say that only those believers who live in Kansas are saved is illogical. There are some Christians in Ohio, I've heard. There's a couple in Nebraska. So uh, the statement does not say believer, a believer must live in Kansas in order to go to heaven. Uh, similarly, in Mark 16, 16, put your thinking camp on, and I'll end with this. It does not say a believer must be baptized. The verse simply states a fact about a baptized believer, that they are saved. But it says exactly nothing about believers who have not been baptized. So you could be a believer and not ever having been baptized. On the other hand, you could be a believer or an unbeliever and have been baptized sort of like someone who's unmarried and puts a ring on their finger. Look at me, I'm married. No, you're not. Or you could take the ring off your finger and you're still married. You can be a believer having never been baptized and you can be an unbeliever having been baptized. Oh, that's getting way beyond what I want to go. So, There are believers who do not live in Kansas yet who are still saved and there are believers who are baptized yet they too are still saved. All right, so baptism, in other words, is not a requirement. It is a response to those who are saved. So why baptism? An act of obedience. Jesus was baptized. He commanded it. Secondly, baptism to make a public declaration of our faith in Christ. Thirdly, baptism is a commitment to put Jesus first in our life. Are you living into your baptism? 
Are you making Jesus first in your life, or was it something that you did long ago? Thirdly, it, or fourthly, it's a commitment to the body of Christ. Are you committed to the body of Christ, using your gifts to equip the saints so that, that we have a healthy church? And then finally, it's a sacrament of celebrating God's grace. It's a sacrament, not just an ordinance, not just a symbol, but his presence is with us upon baptism.